Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Uh, I'm Colby. It's so good to see you all here. Hi, Mom. Um, I'm just like so grateful that every single Sunday, um, I feel like last week I realized this, like I woke up, actually I was trying to fall asleep on Saturday night, and um, I don't know, do you ever hear those moments where like, I can't believe I get to do this. Um, I get to like be with you people in a theater I love, um, hearing about God's word, which has deeply impacted my life all week. And so I just like, sometimes I get to pinch myself and be like, I can't believe I get to do this with all of us. And um, it's a privilege. But I love to pray. And um, I think the big thing for us is that, you know, as we planted a church in Kelowna that's in pursuit of the church, that this means that for all of us, that we're constantly thinking and praying for people who just need Jesus, people who might be down now, people who might have moved to Kelowna, people who um, are on our minds, our neighbors, coworkers, family members. Um, let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are for how you guide and direct this church. I'm grateful that I get to be here with these amazing people. Father, pray that you would grow this, that this is your church, that you're the lead pastor of this church, Jesus, that you're a leader, and we want to follow you every single day of our lives. I pray you'd speak through your word as you did to me this past week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we talked about this last week. Um, we put it online on YouTube. You can watch our content on YouTube. We're actually streaming on Facebook. But for a lot of us that we realize that the Mark's gospel is my favorite eyewitness account of Jesus' life. This guy named John Mark. It's Peter's disciple. He was an eyewitness to Jesus. That I love Mark's gospel because it's like the raw, unfiltered, real Jesus. There's like no, there's no like, as we call like the Christmas narrative Right? If you go back and look at other Gospels, there's like an introduction. Like Mark just gets right into it. He's like, boom, this is all about Jesus. This is who he is. He's the king. If you go back and listen to last week, he talks about his king and the kingdom. Right? But this week, as we're moving on in the story of, of John's story of Jesus' identity and his formation of identity, but also the testing of his identity, and it gets us asking the question of who we are. Right? I know that for a long, long, long time, I actually wanted to plant a church in Kelowna. For, actually, I remember way back, I went to a place called Seminary, which I got my master's degree at, um, at Trinity Western. That I was like, in seminary, I felt like I want to plant a church in Kelowna. But have you ever had that moment in your life where you're like, I want to do something, but maybe you're like a little bit uncertain about that? So like, I was like, I want to maybe try to plant a church in Kelowna. So I took a course on it. Right? That's like the logical thing to do, right? For, for me, I was like, I'm going to take a course on this. So we met all these church planters all over Vancouver. I remember going to like downtown Yale Town, and the guy was like, I'm planting a church hopefully on like every 10 floors of this tower. And we went and met like another house church planter. We met a church planter that has established church now. We met all these people, and I was like, man, I want to plant a church in Kelowna, but I'm 22 to 23 years old. So I read some books on it. Right? I'm like, I'm reading some books on it, but I felt like, hmm, I don't know if God's really called me to this yet. I didn't feel like I was ready. 
And maybe it's my own insecurity. Maybe it's my own worry of like who I am. Can I do I actually have what it takes to plant a church in Kelowna as a 23-year-old, 4-year-old? Would people follow me? But I think it really came back down to the, my identity, who I am, the doubts I had about my purpose and identity. I remember sitting in a room getting an assessment done where um, I sat in a room for three to four days and actually people just grilled me and grilled me and grilled me about my preaching and my vision for planting a church in Kelowna. And at the end of it, these like 28 people remember they came out and they would take individuals and they'd walk them over into like a little tiny room or off to the hallway and they like, They'd say, you can tell no one. Okay, we're going to give you some, some results of like this church planting assessment, but you can tell no one. Because <laughs> some people are going to pass and be, be really happy, but some people are going to fail and be just like destroyed and angry. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I remember just feeling like so, like if you had those moments of like, what's going to happen in my life? And they came out. And they said to me, they said, hey, actually, just come in the hallway, and this will be done really, really quickly. And they gave me a folder, and I remember I was, like, shaking. <laughs> you have those moments? I was, like, shaking as I opened it up, and I opened it up, and um, I said, what is it? Because <laughs> I couldn't even, like, I was, like, just so many words. Just, like, just all it needs to have is, like, a green light on it. That's all I need, right? Like, just, like, a big green circle. Boom, right? But he's, like, you passed. And I was, like, like, now what do I do? Like, what do I do next? But I remember getting in the car and driving home and driving through Banff and being like, God, what are you calling us to do in Kelowna? And someone from that exact um, assessment texted me and said, hey, you left really quickly. Did you pass? Question mark. Because we bleep and failed. And I was like, I'm not responding to that. <laughs> Because there's some anger towards that, right? It speaks to our identity. But for me, for some crazy reason, when I look back at my life, why did it take 28 people saying, Colby, you can go and plant a church for me to come to Kelowna plant a church? Why does it take us sometimes so much to get to a place where we actually believe what we're called to do in our life? Right? When we talk about identity, we talk about the things that we are passionate about so often, how do we define our identity? People ask this all the time, don't they? When they, they ask you, they'll say, hey, what do you do for work? Right? Don't they say, like, when I meet people, like, what do you do for work? That's what I do. Okay, what, what do you do for work? But it's like, can you imagine if you met someone, you're like, hey, who are you? Like, because I'm not just a pastor. I'm <laughs> more than that. Right? Like, there's so much more to us when you meet us, but so often we're defined by what we do. We're defined by, by our work. But it makes us, I think, wonder this question, and this is a question that philosophers have been asking for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, is who are you? There's like a deep question inside of all of us is who are we? And it's interesting that Mark's gospel starts with Jesus forming identity in community. These are the deep questions that I think for every single one of us, 
we're actually asking this question, like, do I have what it takes? You look at every single superhero story. My son was talking about this this past week that he was saying, like, you know what, Dad? There's like a Marvel series where the, the origin story is not very good because we love origin stories, don't we? Like, I love a great origin story when it comes to like a superhero, right? I think that's why I love the Dark Knight trilogy because there's something like just incredible about the origin of Batman or the origin of Iron Man. Like, I think we, we're attached to the origins, but sometimes, so often, when we look at our origin stories, what really happens is that people believe that they're like, their identity forms individually. It forms like when we decide what we're gonna do Right? That's a very modernistic view of how identity is formed today, is that we actually believe that if I just can just decide what I'm going to do, if I'm just going to, like, it's called like actualization, if I just believe deep down I have what it takes to do whatever it is, I'll do it. But we're looking at this account in the gospel of Mark. And what happens if our identity is formed individually? What happens when we get to the wilderness of our lives? What happens there? But I think for all of us, we're all asking this question. Do we have what it takes? Right? When we talk about purpose, we're afraid of pursuing the wrong things. We're afraid of doing the wrong things. Maybe when I moved to Kelowna, I was afraid of failing at a church plant. Right? Like deep down, I think we're asking the question, will people show up? Will they, be a, will they follow us? Will they invite their friends to this? Would our friends and family understand when we talk about why, we, why I need the gospel so deeply? But we're asking this question, do we have what it takes? I think we're all asking that question, do we have what it takes to be a dad or a mom? Do we have what it takes to be an employee here? Do we have what it takes to be a husband or a wife? Do we have what it takes to be blank? Just fill it in. See, Mark's gospel in the very beginning is all about Jesus' identity. And then the testing of that identity. See, his identity is formed, we'll look in a second here, in, the, in community, but it's tested in the wilderness. I want you to know just one thing that our identity so often is formed in these watershed moments, these moments where, where we feel like we could do everything, right? Like we could conquer anything. We have these moments where it's like, yes, God, you're with us. You're amazing. You love us. But you end up in the wilderness and you're like, where are you? I'm destroyed. How do you lead me here? What happened to my spouse, my, my child, all these things? Like You feel like, yeah, God, I'm going to be with you in these amazing moments of my life, these watershed moments where your identity is actually being formed in the wilderness, the moments where you feel like there's like thorns and thistles and despair. What actually is who you are? See, the water... In this passage, Jesus' baptism is where your identity is formed, but in the wilderness, it's where it's tested. See, I think we live in a cultural moment where people say you have to define yourself, you have to become yourself. But when you look at that, where does your identity come from? One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, in her book, Brave in the Wilderness, says, true belonging is a spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. Let me read it one more time. True belonging 
is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. I think it's interesting. You know, when I first heard this, I was like, wow, you know, like this book, Brave in the Wilderness. I'm like, what an incredible book, which really has some biblical nuances. But for a lot of us, that when we've, a, we've formed our identity individually, when we get to the wilderness, there's just nothing there. There's like a movement of deconstructionisms, deconstructionists, actually, where they're actually deconstructing a lot of their faith and their life. But really, for deconstructionists, if you go on Instagram and, and search this up, so often that people are just deconstructing the narrative of their faith and their life because it's actually all about power and balance. But what happens is a lot of people form their identity on their own. That when you come to church, right, what happens is you come in here and you sit in a, in a seat and you confess sins and you follow Jesus, but it's also individualistic. What happens when, when you get to the wilderness? What happens to your life in those moments? It's not just about being your most authentic self in the wilderness because if there's nothing left in the wilderness, you're going to be destroyed by that. John Locke, a famous philosopher, he said your identity is shaped from memories, and it happens in community. Our memories shape our identity, and that our identity is constantly being formed and reformed. See, I think most of us want to define ourselves in a culture. It's the way we project ourselves on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. It's the way we show ourselves to the world, our perfect little lives, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it speaks to the fact that we want to create an identity because we're sometimes asking the question, do we have what it takes? So if you have a Bible, I would love to open to Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 13. Here's what it says. This is John Mark's account of Jesus' life. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was with in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were serving him. Hmm. What a kind of a crazy passage it goes from the baptism to the temptation. It goes from the water to the wilderness. Like Mark isn't messing around here. It's pretty simple where he ends up. He goes, you know what? There's this amazing moment in Jesus' life where he actually has these words spoken over him. You are a beloved son with you I am well pleased. And he ends up where? Being driven by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. You see, Mark's going back to the creation of the world, the biblical account of Genesis where the garden, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there. They were all there. Mark's drawn us back very simply to a narrative right to the garden. And really for us, in, in Christian, as a Baptist actually, in a Christian tradition, that we believe that God is Trinity. He's one God, three persons. 
It's important for us because the difficult, the Trinity is a very difficult concept. I think sometimes it actually overloads the mental circuits in our brain because when you think about it, the doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one God eternally existed in three persons. But not tritheism, which really says there's three gods who stick together a lot and like each other. It's not unipersonalism, which says there's really one God, and sometimes he takes this form or that form. Sometimes he morphs into a different form. But really it says there's one God, but, but Trinitarianism says there's one God in three persons who know each other, who love one another, and serve one another. That's where Jesus' identity is formed. In relationship, in community. See, Mark's gospel showing us that God's forming identity in community. The Trinity is not self-centered. That so famously C.S. Lewis says that the Trinity is like a dance, that when you become a Christian, you enter into that dance. It's like, it's active. It's not passive. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are by essence self-giving love that no one person in the Trinity insists the other evolves around it <laughs> or him. Rather, each of them voluntarily circles and orbits around the others. See, ultimately for us, identity is formed when you enter into a relationship with God. But it also is formed when you enter into community. with others, other Christians. See, you enter into a new dynamic, a new dance, a new reality, a new understanding, not just an understanding that makes your life better, but actually deepens the things that you've been called to do in Kelowna or in British Columbia or in Canada or the rest of the world. Like, you might have a, a piece that you've been called to in Kelowna, but maybe your identity is bigger than that. Maybe your purpose is so much bigger than what you've been called to. See, it's formed by who you're around, people you love and trust, people who speak into your life. See, ultimately, if you're following Jesus, your life is not shaped by what you think or what other, others think, but what God thinks. See, if your identity is in Jesus, in the Father, in the Son, who cares what people think about you? Who cares what you think about you? Because God thinks about you. He says the most amazing thing to Christ. He says, you're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You see, I think in our society, so often our, our world, we're over, like our ego is either overinflated or deflated. But what Mark's saying here is actually when your identity is rooted in Christ, when it's actually in Jesus, you can't have like a, an ego that's deflated, it's like, oh my goodness, my, my week is just like so awful. But it can't be overinflated where your ego just like, yes, I'm the king of the world, right? Like, worship me. But having a true identity in Christ, it's like whatever you go through, moments where you feel deflated or overinflated, you hear this resounding peace in your life that you are a beloved son or daughter, that God loves you. 
See, I hope and pray that in our community groups, that our community groups would deeply hear that. They'd speak that over people. That if our community groups are not speaking over each other, you are a beloved son or daughter. We're doing this wrong. If Chloe doesn't hear that if, you're, if you are found in Christ, that you are a beloved son or daughter, let's just send someone to another church. Because I be, believe that God loves us so deeply. And that's where your identity is formed, in the love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our identity is formed in community, with God and with others. These are the water moments of our lives, the moments like these high, exciting moments, the, the moments where you feel like, man, I could do anything. I moved here with my family and 12 individuals to plant a church in Kelowna that we had no idea what it was going to look like because we felt like God called us to do something because we're passionate about reaching a city. See, our identity's formed in the water. It's formed with the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, saying that you are a beloved daughter or son. But it's not tested there. It's not tested usually in the great moments of your life. It's tested in the wilderness moments when you actually enter into these lonely, isolated places where you feel like you're going to be stripped away and there's nothing left and you question your identity. A wilderness moment can look like the loss of a child, a miscarriage, identity, loss of identity, loss of relationship, loss of a friend, loss of a family member, loss of a job, a career change. It can go on and on and on what wilderness moments look like but these are the moments when we ask the question, who are we, don't we? Who am I? Do I have what it takes? Can I do this? See, Mark, of all the gospel accounts, so briefly touches on it. It says here, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He uses the word immediately all the time. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. You see, you can go read the other accounts how Satan tempted him. But Mark's so specific, saying that he was driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was, his identity was formed in the water, but in the wilderness is where he's tested and tempted. You see, I think well, often when we think about Satan, we think about like a scary movie or we think about like this, this person that's out there. But Jesus has an identity formed by God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And he's driven out to be tested. And see, Satan doesn't test him with the things that we think he'd be tempted by. You know, I think so often when we think about, if we were to like, I think, make this into a movie, it'd be about lustful things, wouldn't it? It would be about not just power and control, which Satan tempted him with. But really, Satan knew deeply what was in Jesus' life, in his heart. And that's why he spoke to his identity. You see, in John 8, Jesus paints a picture of what Satan does in the desert of your life, the wilderness. Verse 42, it says here, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, because it came from God, and I'm, I'm here. For I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of the father, the devil. And you want to carry out the Father's desires, your Father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. 
When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, in the desert of your life, you're going to hear lies. You're going to hear lies. Lies are going to be spoken in the back of your mind saying, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I am not a beloved son or daughter of God. Lies will make you wonder why you moved here or why you took that job. Or is this marriage working out? You know, those are the moments, the desert moments of our lives are where we're going to actually ask those deep internal questions of our lives saying, do I really have what it takes? So you have the best moment of your life and so often a thought creeps into your mind and just derails you. For a marriage, you could say something like, there's intimacy somewhere else. A deeper intimacy. That's so often where pornography comes in the picture, right? There's, like, there's a missing piece to a marriage. A thought creeps into your mind that you just cannot get out. And that's what Satan is great at. He might not possess you or oppress you. But what he can do is get into those memories and those mindsets. Satan so can get in there and just say, actually, are you sure about this? Did God really say that about you? Are you really a beloved son or daughter? Is there more for you somewhere else? Is there a better job if you just moved back to this place or went here? If you just like got into a better marriage? If you just, if you just traded in your life for some other life, maybe it'd be better. That's the father of lies. See, if John Locke says that identity is attached to memories, it's so easy for Satan to go and strip away those memories. To go back and, and love, kind of put little tiny subtle lies into our memories and say, man, like, maybe your childhood wasn't that great. Or maybe this past year in COVID just made you realize how much you don't like this person that you're married to. Or you don't, feel satisfied with having kids so you have to go and find another identity doing something else. <laughs> you see, we have to realize that Jesus took an identity from the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit so we can have an identity in God. So we could be a son or daughter with whom he loves no matter what we're facing, no matter what our circumstances are. That Jesus entered in the desert so that when we enter the desert, we have someone who's been there, who's gone through it, not just going to leave us in it. He has conquered it. I have kind of three points as I wrap up, and then I'll bring the band back up here. Um, is how to get through, a, I think, the desert seasons of our life. I think so often that when we're coming out of COVID, that I think that people are feeling so discouraged. It's like, oh, like someone said to me just recently, like, oh, you know, don't waste your time opening a church now because we're going to be closed down by Christmas. <laughs> it's like, you are a ray of sunshine. I appreciate that. Right? But how do we get through a desert season of life? I think the first part is you know and hold on to your identity in Christ. You hold on to the identity piece. That you're a beloved son and daughter. God is well pleased with you. We'll post on our Instagram this week 
and you can just save it on, on your Instagram or Facebook. And all we'll do is we'll post some like who I am in Christ squares. And all you can do is just like, you know, for me every morning what I do is I wake up, I have like daily declarations I want to kind of go over. But all I'm saying is every morning I'm like, okay, I am God's friend. I'm beloved. I'm a saint. I guess speak this over me because it's so often after my cup of coffee in the morning to hear all the lies about my life. Am I good enough? Will I have what it takes to plan church in Cologne? Will anybody show up? Will we survive past a year? There's all these thoughts that creep into my mind, but when I just boil it down to who I am in Christ, it's enough. The second thing is identify the lies you hear. Like we all have lies that creep up don't we? Like I had a lie that crept up in my life when I moved to Kelowna. And it, it was like reinforced from years and years and years and years of being a pastor. It said, you are not good enough. You cannot do this. And I remember prayerfully when I journal every morning just writing down lies I hear sometimes. And then I'll, I'll write down the lies I hear and then I'll write down, where is this coming from? And it's like, oh my goodness, actually, I think this person said this because my identity is attached to memories. Maybe I believe this about myself. And I'm like, God, what do you say to me in light of those lies? What are you saying to us in this room with a people full of lies that are holding us back? from becoming beloved sons and daughters of, of Jesus. The third thing is to be in community. I think a lot of us are in community, but I think that our city needs deeply community. That as I entered into really awful moments of my life, moments where I felt like really, like I had some despair, I needed Mark and Nancy to remind me of who I am in Christ. I needed Steve to remind me because in the deserts of your life, you realize you don't believe who you are. You don't believe you have what it takes. You don't believe you're a beloved son or daughter anymore. And that's what Satan wants to do. He's the father of lies. But when we serve Jesus, we can serve the father of truth and grace. Ultimately, when you're in the deepest and darkest parts of your life, when you are hurt and weak, if you follow Jesus, you will hear these words resound from your life, from the life of those around you, that you are a beloved son or daughter with whom he's well pleased. Let's pray. God, we are in a room full of people and you know the lies that we have, the lies that creep up out of nowhere. You know the lies that have crept up in my own life that have held me back from being a son of you to live into the identity. We have worries Maybe we have financial worries, relationship worries, worries about health, about housing. Lord, that you love us and you'll provide for us. And regardless of the situation we're in, that we find ourselves in, that we would know 
without a shadow of a doubt, that we are beloved daughters and sons of you. Let us walk into that, that reality, that identity this week. I needed that this week, Jesus. To be reminded of who I am in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us. Thank you.